Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 885. As always these days, our thoughts with the brave people of Ukraine and, of course, to uh, the families in the tragic shootings in Buffalo, New York, and Uvalde, Texas. Well, we have a special audio postcard this morning from a guy named Mike. Not Mike Tyson or Michael Phelps or Michael Jordan. It's from the one and only Mike O'Connor, along with some fishy friends there. Take it away, Mike. Hey, Ray, you hear that sound? It's your old pal Mike from Cape Cod, and they found a flock, no, murdered they call it, of fish crows. Fish crows are a crow that most of your listeners aren't familiar with because they're coastal birds, but they sound like a cross between a crow and a frog and a baby, just quacking away. I know Freya always whispers when she does these things, like it's nice and quiet, but these guys don't care. They're yapping, yapping back and forth high in the trees, just talking to each other. And they don't care what I have to say or what you have to say. Fish crows, look it up. They look like small crows, but they don't stop talking, and they never shut up. All right, that's it from Cape Cod. See you later, bye. All right, thank you, Mike. Speaking of never shut up, Mike will be back with us uh, later on on uh, on this morning's show. Um a little story here from Cape Cod. We're a very Cape Cod-focused, it seems, today, and you'll see more about that or hear more about that uh, momently, but or momentarily. But uh, Cape Cod has made national news this week because the town of Barnstable there has postponed its annual 4th of July fireworks display to protect nesting piping plovers and leased terns. The change was made after this, quote, the town of Barnstable has been notified by the State Division of Fisheries and Wildlife that due to close proximity to endangered species, the town's fireworks display cannot proceed as planned. End quote. That fireworks display will happen instead well after nesting season on Labor Day weekend. So good for everybody involved in that. Well, Mike O'Connor, in addition to creating that audio postcard, has his Let's Ask Mike segment here on Talking Birds, of course. We'll hear a live edition this morning. He's also a noted author on the subject of birds. He isn't, however, the host of his own TV show. At least not yet. But guess who is about to get his own national television program? Remember Christian Cooper, the blackbirder who was falsely accused of accosting a dog walker in Central Park? Well, National Geographic has announced that Mr. Cooper, who's a lifelong birder, will host a series on their channel called Extraordinary Birder. Nat Geo says the show will begin airing next spring, 2023. By the way, it turns out that Christian Cooper is also a big fan of comics and superheroes and once worked as a comics editor and writer, and he's the author of a graphic novel, a serious one, partly inspired by his Central Park experience. 
It's called It's a Bird, published by DC Comics, writing a graphic novel. Another thing Mike O'Connor hasn't done yet, as far as we know. Well, that bird might sound kind of familiar, what with our having played it by mistake last week. But it's here for sure, for real, this time (laughs) as our mystery bird. Our contest will come along in a little bit, but we're giving a preview right here. Here are some clues. Our mystery bird is a chunky shorebird, which in uh, breeding plumage is a rusty reddish brown on the face, neck, breast, and sides. Mostly gray, brown, and black on the back and wings. Famous for congregating in big numbers at traditional staging grounds during migration, most famously Delaware Bay, where it also famously feeds on the eggs of spawning horseshoe crabs. Our bird travels more than 9,000 miles between Terra del Fuego and southern South America and its Arctic breeding grounds. And its nickname may provide an extra clue. It's called the Robin Snipe. Our mystery bird. So those are the clues and the sound of the bird. And we have beautiful prizes, as usual, from our friends at Classic Brands, a Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. That's the one that attaches securely to your window and provides an unobstructed view of your avian visitors. And speaking of those visitors, to keep them safe, we have a feather-friendly bird window crash prevention kit. Highly effective and recommended by numerous bird conservation organizations. We'll talk more about that last topic there, window crashes, too, on this morning's show. Right now, a royal salute... Two more of our Talking Birds ambassadors helping us get the word out about our show and about birds and conservation. Thanks to Carrie Mosher from Elkader, Iowa. She says, just discovered your podcast and have already learned quite a bit. Well, thank you, Carrie. Well, that's because of the guests we have on our show, like the one we'll introduce here momentarily. And thank you to Lisa Fields from Oxford, Massachusetts. She says, already told a friend about the show. We listen as a family each week. Well, that's beautiful. We love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you, Carrie, for joining our Ambassadors family. We'd like to invite all Talking Birds listeners to consider doing the same. To join up, just click on the Get Involved tab at the top of our TalkingBirds.com homepage. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with our friend and wildlife rehabilitator extraordinaire, Stephanie Ellis, about avian flu baby birds rescue guidelines and dealing with the results of bird window collisions. Plus, we'll catch up with that Mike O'Connor guy in a Let's Ask Mike live segment about busting another myth. This one's about Baltimore Orioles. And up next, we'll address a pronunciation controversy in today's featured Feathered Friends segment presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Is it the northern parula or the northern parula? We may actually have an answer to that here in just a moment. Here's a description of this beautiful warbler. Adults have a yellow throat and breast, and the male has a chestnut breast band. The belly and undertail coverts are white, The back is bluish-gray with a yellow-olive patch in the center, and there are white crescents above and below the eyes. Our bird favors woodlands where Spanish moss or beard lichens are found. 
Expect to experience warbler neck syndrome when trying to spot this bird, which usually feeds high up in the canopy, plucking insects from the ends of branches. Its song is a buzzy trill that drops off abruptly at the end. Now back to the pronunciation. According to the American Bird Conservancy, the accent is on the first syllable. They point out that parula, or parula, is a diminutive of parus, referring to the taxonomic family paridae, which includes chickadees and titmice. So parula effectively means little titmouse, even though the northern parula is a member of the parulidae, wood warbler family. Everybody got that? It's Cetophica americana, the northern parula, or if you're not convinced, parula. Today's Talking Birds, featured feathered friend. Oh, if you're confused about that, well, that's okay. So am I. But that's what we heard from the American Bird Conservancy. Welcome again to our show, number 885, in a day, too, that we remember all the great veterans who gave their lives, uh, U.S. service men and women, on the Memorial Day weekend. Well, Stephanie Ellis is the executive director and wildlife rehabilitator for Wild Care Cape Cod, which rehabilitates sick and injured and orphaned wildlife on Cape Cod and beyond. And she joins us this morning from a, for the first time. If I, Do I have this right, Stephanie, since 2012? Or was is that just the first time that you were on with us? That was the first time I was on with you. I think I was on last year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Speaking of confusion, of course, I remember you were being on with us uh, last year as well. Well, I'm glad to have you back on this year, certainly. And we talked before the show, uh, Stephanie, about avian flu and uh, what the status is of that now. This has been a really, really big uh, outbreak all across the country and, of course, around the world, I guess. Where are we with this now? Yes. So um, it has been a large outbreak uh, in Massachusetts and other parts of the United States. And fortunately, we're starting to see um, less, you know, a decreased number of positive cases Mm -hmm. um, of about 40 birds tested um, by us recently, we had one positive, um, and it was a northern gannet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I reached out to Drew Vitz. He's our ornithologist <clears throat> for Massachusetts, and he does uh, tell me that it is indeed slowing down. Um, there was one case in domestic birds in the Berkshires a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And other than that, um, we're seeing a decrease in numbers. So that's really, really hopeful. And by the way, um, people, of course, wonder about their bird feeders and whether they should keep their bird feeders up and bird or take them down. It seems like the advice generally is that bird feeders don't need to be taken down. Does that agree with that? That That is correct. Um, the, the risk of transmission and songbirds picking it up is very low. And so it's good practice just in general to keep your bird baths and your bird feeders clean. You know, you can do a, a 1 to 10 bleach solution, bleached in water, and make sure that you clean them weekly. And that will help to reduce the risk of transmission of all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you um, treat an enormous amount of uh, uh, wildlife there. I'm just reading some stats. Since your founding, I think it was 1993, you've accepted more than 30,000 wild creatures 
representing more than 275 species of native birds, mammals, and reptiles. Um, pretty amazing. And what about with avian flu? What has your experience been with that? Sure. So avian flu has definitely posed some additional challenges. Uh, for one, birds that are arriving at our door that exhibit uh, symptoms of the flu, um, those birds are humanely euthanized. Mm -hmm. And that's because the risk of transmission is just so high. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the quarantine space, you know, to quarantine animals. Mm -hmm for long periods of time. So the, the state was recommending that sick birds are euthanized. And then um, other birds, birds that are wounded or might be um, asymptomatic, they do go into quarantine and then we have them tested. When the results come back negative, then they can come um, into our clinic, you know, and, and um, life as usual, we can continue that rehab process. So it's been challenging in that we have to be incredibly careful, you know, appropriate PPE. So we have um, disinfecting foot baths. My staff wear gowns, um, goggles when we're handling these birds that are in quarantine. Um, and, and also, you know, the compassion fatigue. When you're having to euthanize large numbers of animals that come to your door, that can be incredibly trying emotionally. I mean, we're there. We, we are there to fix things. Um, and so... It's been very, very challenging. Wow, it certainly sounds like it. And, of course, you have, uh, this is a whole thing added on to your, your normal work uh, that you're doing with rescuing animals for various uh, and sundry reasons. So I wanted to ask you about the kind of the classic uh, question, I suppose, what to do when you find a baby bird on the ground in your backyard. How about the guidelines on that? Sure. I love this question. It's an important one. And um, if you find a baby bird on the ground and it's, it's really well feathered and it doesn't appear to be injured, uh, look for the parents. And if the parents or one parent is feeding it, then you'll want to leave it there. So this is, um, I'm referring to songbirds. This would be a fledgling songbird or, you know, the, the teenager, the juvenile delinquent, he's out of the nest, but not able to fly yet. And so that's normal. Mm -hmm. So if the parents are taking care of it, you want to leave it there. Mm -hmm. um, if you find baby birds out of the nest in their, you know, um, tiny little hatchlings or nestlings, naked or little feathering, you're going to want to get those birds warm. And if you know where the nest is, you can put them back. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know where the nest is, you are welcome to call us, of course, and we'll probably have you bring them in. But it, it's very important also that people should not give baby birds food or water. It's really easy to aspirate them. If they're not warm and ready to digest food, they won't be able to digest it. So the kindest thing you can do, if you do find a baby bird and you're concerned, call us and keep it warm. Those are two wonderful things that you can do to help. Okay, so that's if you're on the Cape or near, near the Cape. And of course, there are rehab places all around the country, right? They're pretty easy to find generally. They are. In fact, so if you're in Massachusetts, you can go to mass.gov, find a wildlife rehabilitator, and then you can find someone uh, closest to you. Mm -hmm. But if you're in another state, you can use a website called Animal Help Now. I think it's animalhelpnow.com. Uh, but type in Animal Help Now and you can find uh, rehabbers in various states. It's, it's such a great resource. Okay, good to know. One other thing I wanted to just talk about here that I know is another huge issue, we talk about it here on the show a lot, and that is bird window 
crashes. And I imagine there are different uh, myths about that in terms of what should be done. Yes. Um, so this is also an important and timely topic since birds have been migrating over the past few weeks. Um, so really important. Uh, what happens is birds don't see windows as structures. They see the reflection that the window is reflecting. Mm -hmm. And so um, some people like to keep their windows really, really, really dirty. <laughs> that helps to break up the reflection. I like it. Um, but what really helps is if you can do things like um, place, they sell decals for your windows, um, and they sell decals that are UV reflective mm -hmm. so that birds can see them. Mm -hmm. um, it's important, though, if you decals on your windows, you really need to place a bunch of them, and they need to be within four inches of each other mm -hmm. to be effective. Um, and so decals, you can place mylar strips on your windows um, to so that birds can, you know, see that there's a window there. Also, there are things like um, you can use tempera paint and paint designs on the outside of your windows. Ooh. It's going to be a wonderful <laughs> children's activity. Um, but important, if you're painting designs, they need to be at least an eighth of an inch or larger. Mm -hmm. And the designs need to be, again within four inches um, apart from each other. Okay. My last recommendations are you can also get a glass writing pen and draw vertical lines on the outside of your window. Um, mm. You know, the tempera paint and the glass writing pen, those are removed easily, and you can barely, you barely see the glass writing pen. But birds will see um, those designs. And finally, mm. it's really important to make sure that you decrease any unnecessary indoor and outdoor lighting, especially mm -hmm. now during migration, mm -hmm. um, because birds use a lot of environmental cues. Um, and so seeing lots of lights is very disorienting to them. Mm -hmm. And that can cause them to, to drop down, circle buildings, strike windows. So um, turn your lights out for birds um, and really help them. It protects their journey. All right. Wonderful advice, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Stephanie Ellis is the Executive Director and Wildlife Rehabilitator for Wild Care Cape Cod, which rehabilitates sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife on Cape Cod and beyond. Their website is wildcarecapecod.org, wildcarecapecod.org. And Stephanie, would you give us that other address, too, or, or, or that name to look up for uh, wherever you are uh, to find out about rehabbing birds, getting birds rehabbed or other creatures? Sure. So at, no matter where you are in the United States, if you Google animal help now, that will give you a directory and you can find rehabilitators in your state. Stephanie Ellis here on Talking Birds. So uh, thank you so much, Stephanie. We'll have you back again real soon if you'd, if you'd uh, agree to it. I would love that. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. 
And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. There's our mystery bird. This is the actual contest underway here. Just a reminder, if you're not sure what the bird is, take a guess, because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. So we have some wonderful prizes to go along with that from our friends at Classic Brands, a Droll Yankees Observer window feeder that attaches securely to your window and provides an unobstructed view of your avian visitors. And just kind of reflecting on our guest, Stephanie, this morning, we have that feather-friendly bird window crash prevention kit. Highly effective, recommended by numerous bird conservation organizations. So a couple of beautiful prizes there. And if we get a get time for our mystery uh, bird bonus question, we'll uh, try to give away a $20 certificate for Wisdom Supply, makers of plastic-free books and notepads and journals and other supplies for classrooms and office. Our mystery bird is a chunky shorebird. In breeding plumage, it's a rusty reddish-brown on the face, neck, breast, and sides, mostly gray-brown and black on the back and wings, famous for congregating in huge numbers at traditional staging grounds during migration, famously Delaware Bay, feeding on the eggs, mostly, anyway, of spawning horseshoe crabs, a bird that travels more than nine 1,000 miles from southern South America to its Arctic breeding grounds. And here's a powerful clue. Its nickname is the Robin Snipe. The Robin Snipe. 781-837-4900 is the number. Please call us as soon as you can so we'll have time for our contest. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Mike is here again with Let's Ask Mike Live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautyobooks.com. My name is Scott Weiss. I'm calling from Wadsworth, Ohio. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because it's a good way for me to share my enthusiasm for birds and nature with others. Everyone should become a Talking Birds ambassador. It's a great way to spread word of the show and to support birds. Birds are great. They're everywhere. Uh, let's talk about them. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Mike O'Connor is uh, not everywhere, although it sounds like he is today, but he's definitely on Cape Cod, and we're about to check in with him about another myth from the Let's Ask Mike myth-busting department this morning. Good morning, Mike. Never mind that. Can we hear that audio postcard again? That was awesome. I don't know where you got that. but Yeah, that we've got, got uh, quite a few complaints about it already, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure we could uh, play it again uh, sometime. Yeah, thank you for thank you for that postcard about fish crows. That was pretty uh, pretty cool. 
Oh, I know. I'm sure I'll get whatever award. What do they give? Oscars or Heisman? Whatever they give for the radio, I'll be getting that. For sure. Yeah. What do they give for that? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I guess you know when you when you can't find out, you create your own. Yeah, right? There we go. So we'll 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 uh, we'll we'll do that. The the posties. The posties. <laughs> The posties. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, you uh, busted a myth uh, uh, recently. Uh, what was that, what was that myth you busted? Suddenly, I've already uh, a forgotten. A couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, those plastic owls that people oh, yeah. determined that will keep things away, squirrels yeah. out of the yeah. attic and birds out of the garden. And I did a lot of testing, and we talked about it. it didn't work. The birds came right to the plastic right owls, and so did the squirrels. Yeah. So then, the other day, a lady walked in with a post with covered in orange ribbon, like she was in some kind of uh, Mardi Gras parade or something, and and I said, what's with the post? She goes, oh, this is my post to attract the Orioles, and she wanted to get a feeder, and I said, well, I don't think Orioles are necessarily attracted to orange, and then she pointed out that all the feeders are orange, so mm. put me in my place. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, let me do a little testing on that, because the oranges, the, although the birds eat oranges, they're not even native to the Americans. Oranges came from Asia. Mm-hmm. So they uh, haven't evolved to that, but they do eat all kinds of fruit. It doesn't have to be oranges. So I took my Oriole feeder down, and you can attract Orioles with oranges or uh, sugar water, like in a big hummingbird feeder, mm-hmm. or grape jelly. I took my orange grape jelly feeder down because that's the way they're made. And I took a mm-hmm. blue feeder, which the companies sell to attract bluebirds. They're all, you know, it's it's nonsense, but that's what they did. So I took the blue feeder and and hung it in a different location in the yard. And, you know, five minutes later, the Orioles were eating the jelly out of the bluebird feeder. Mm-hmm. Didn't it? So there you go. So that's – it doesn't have to be orange. It's got, they, so they, they'll come to – as a matter of fact, a lot of people complain. A lot of people complain that Orioles – go after hummingbird feeders. They see the hummingbirds getting the nectar, and they want that. So it's more mimicking what other birds do than really the color. Although mm-hmm. uh, certainly red is important to hummingbirds. It's not blue is important to bluebirds. Yellow is important to goldfinches, and that I can tell. And orange isn't really important to uh, Orioles, although it is important to consumers trying to sell products, that's for sure. Uh, well, like me. Yeah, well that would be the key thing in your case, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> you know, whatever you buy, I don't care the colors, just buy it. <laughs> All right, Mike, thank you so much. Happy and, uh, Memorial Day, everybody. And to you, we'll talk to you uh, next week. Sounds great. All right. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. We'll return to the Mystery Bird Contest at 781-837-4900 right after this. Beauty O Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to. Let's try that again. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. Here comes that mystery bird again. Kind of a harsh sound, so be prepared. (coughs) Kind of a chunky shorebird in breeding plumage, uh, rusty reddish brown on the face, neck, breast, and sides, mostly gray, brown, and black on the back and wings. Part of the clue there for our mystery bird at 781-837-4900. And Wendy is 
They're in Tampa, Florida. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Good morning. Great to hear from you in uh, in Tampa. It becomes such a famous Thank sports you. town, among other things. Kind of much to our chagrin here in New England, but that's a whole other topic, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on from that. So you heard our clue there, uh, Wendy, or clues on the mystery bird? I did. What, what do you say? I say it's a red knot. You say it's a red knot. I say it's a red knot. We all say that. It must be correct. Absolutely right. The red knot. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. And if you are you catching some in the uh, Tampa Bay area? I am. And you're all you're good. I always sounded like a fish crow I heard in the background. Oh no, but I'm looking at some sandhill cranes right now. Oh, oh that is right in my backyard. In your backyard. Wow, pretty cool. In my backyard, uh-huh. Nice. Well, I'd love to talk more, but I think we're out of time here. Wendy, thank you so much, and stay on the line, and we'll send you those prizes. Thank you very much. Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to you, Wendy. They're down in Tampa, Florida, with the correct answer identifying our mystery bird. We're out of time for our show this morning. Just a quick reminder about our Talking Birds flock, a great way to connect with other Talking Birds listeners and share thoughts and ideas and pictures and videos and all kinds of stuff like that. It's a Facebook group, facebook.com slash Talking Birds Flock. That's it for today. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next week. The Bird Show. I like that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.